If you're feeling overwhelmed by clutter, whether it be physical or mental clutter, I invite you to join me for my free five-day challenge called Re-Energize Your Home. We'll be meeting from June 3rd through June 9th for this amazing challenge where you will discover the power of shifting your mindset, the power of managing your energy, and having true support for your efforts. Let's help you reclaim control of your life and your space in just five days. All you need to do to join us in this free challenge is to go to maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com slash challenge. Again, that's maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com slash challenge. I can't wait to work with you and I'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 22. I think I've got a fantastic show for you today. In this episode, you're going to hear how Ellie Parvin took a windy and sometimes literally nerve-wracking path to become a communications expert, educator, and coach. She tells fantastic stories at the beginning of the episode, and some of them just are cliffhangers. They're really fun and really describe how we can conquer our fears of being in public and being big with our voices. You're going to learn so much directly from how Ellie speaks to me inside the interview as she demonstrates so many different speaking techniques as we talk, including the power of the pause and vocal variety. I love Ellie so much, and I also love the enthusiasm she has for helping others to expand into their full communication power. Let's go learn from her now by listening to the episode. Hi, I'm Dr. Christine Lee, and I'm a psychologist and a procrastination coach. I've helped thousands of people move past procrastination and overwhelm so they could begin working to their potential. In this podcast, you're going to learn powerful strategies for getting your mind, body, and energy to work together so that you can focus on what's really important and accomplish the goals you want to achieve. When you start living within your full power, you're going to see how being productive can be easy and how you can create success on demand. Welcome to the Make Time for Success podcast. Hello, hello. We are in with another episode. This one is going to be fabulous because I am speaking today with Ellie Parvin, who is a communication expert and educator, and she's also just a light in this world. So, Welcome to the show, Ellie. I'm so happy you're here. It is so wonderful to be here, Christine, and I'm so honored to be a guest on your show and to be able to serve your audience. So thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. I'm so excited for our conversation now. Let's start with just having you introduce your story. How did you get to be a communication expert? What lights you up personally, too? me up. I, that's a wonderful, wonderful question. Often people want to know, well, how did that person go from where was their A before they got to B? Well, I think like many people, my journey 
isn't as direct. I think many people that have different elements of their journey that get them to where they are. And one of the things, as you know, my expertise is communication. And it's a gift I've always had. I didn't know that that's what I was going to do. I just knew I loved people. And then my gift was that I could see people, I could read people, I could listen and pull out the things and repeat them back. This active listening, one of the things with active listening is you could repeat things back and they would say, that's exactly what I meant, or that's exactly who I am. And I would get this response from people from literally the youngest of ages. I always was fortunate to have wonderful friends and people in my life. Now, very early on, I thought this means I want to be a therapist like my mom. My mom was an MFCC <laughs> psychologist. She had her own practice. She was an entrepreneur, very successful. We lived in Corona del Mar in Newport Beach, California. And she had her practice in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills. And like many young girls who have working moms, they look up to them. And especially when you're young, you, you look up to your parents if you have wonderful parents that I was fortunate to have, that you think, well, how can I achieve this level? My goal is to achieve this level and I want to be like my mom or I want to be like my dad. And I started with a psychology program when I was going to college and after one semester could not stomach going through the case studies. (laughs) It was just too emotional, too much. I personally didn't grow up with this kind of trauma and I didn't see this kind of trauma. And I didn't realize at the time, but I'm quite empathic and sensitive and it would affect me. So I thought, no, this is not good. I still want to work with people. Of course, my dad pops in and says, oh, you should go into engineering or computer science. This is an opening field. They need women. My dad, of course, is an engineer working for NASA JPL. He gets excited. I don't know. Computers don't really remind me of people. And I (laughs) stumbled into a communications course and learned about journalism and thus spent the rest of my college term writing for papers and becoming a journalist and communicating and uh, still sitting down with people, listening to their stories, being able to pull out and put on paper what they're all about. And my family, and they say, oh, you are, you should be like Christine Amanpour, you know, this powerful, uh, well-known Persian broadcast journalist and CNN. And I don't believe she's there anymore, but she's very well known for great news reporting. And in the Persian culture, which is my background, my family is from Iran and from Persia, they they kind of just tag on to, well, if you're not going to be a wife and a baby maker and a mom and a housemaker, then you should probably be an engineer or something, what is it, doctor, or Christine Amanpour. And, (laughs) and, and, 
And I thought to myself, well, I, I don't want to be on camera. Like, that's not what I want. And truth be told, that little sprinkles, that little crumb of I'm actually hiding. I'm actually hiding and choosing the direction I want to go with my career. Now, I didn't know this at the time. It's only looking back in that reflection. And through this time, I pivoted into many avenues of communication, journalism for newspapers, magazines, marketing, public relations, and communication expert, and also managing and being the voice of entrepreneurs and writing their content and being them on Twitter. These are all, if I'm looking back, I'm hiding. Why am I hiding? I'm not using my voice. I'm sharing other people's voice. And, and I do love helping other people shine and share their voice and show them in the greatest of lights. But this was the career I took, not putting myself in front of a camera because I had these fears and these insecurities, fear of judgment, fear of growing up in an area. I grew up in Southern California. There's all these beautiful girls there. And I was not one of them. I was awkward. I had the thick Coke bottle glasses. Thank you, laser eye surgery, thick Coke bottle glasses and (laughs) frizzy, frizzy hair that was so unruly. My mom eventually just chopped it an inch short because it would always get tangled. I looked like a boy. I was already a tomboy as an athlete and growing up and in school. And uh, this sounds so silly, but when I was younger, I didn't feel pretty. I didn't feel noticed in that way. I was noticed for the person I was, for my character, for my kindness, and for how I made other people feel. And that's okay too, because those are all wonderful skills to grow and develop. But Beauty is not this thing that we can judge or we should care about other people judging. I find that the beauty shines through when we are authentically who we are, when we are comfortable with ourselves, those times that you're sitting and having a conversation with a loved one or your best friend, that's you. That is authentically you. And it really got to this point where I was getting bored in my job. I had a fantastic job. I loved where I worked. I loved it. But again, I had this fear of other people's judgment. And what ended up happening, the craziest of things that broke me, that started to break the ice on that, was that I picked up a hobby becoming a fitness instructor. The first time I got in front of the crowd, and I will always remember this, it was such a pivotal point in my life. The first time I got in front of the crowd to teach my first class, the instructor knew I had just gotten certified. She handed me the headset. I have this routine memorized. It's a one and a half minute part that she was letting me do. I can do anything for one and a half minutes. I've been taking this class for years and years since it started. I'm in the front row and she brings me up on stage. She hits the stereo 
And I stand there, gazing, dead silence. The music is pumping. The audience doing the workout, they're just still doing the workout and continuing. And I'm standing there, and all I can hear is the bursting sound of my heartbeat in my ears and about to push out of my chest onto the floor in the gym. (laughs) And when the song ended, I didn't hand her back the mic. The mic had fallen down. And I never went back to that class again. And that moment hit on all my fears. And you know, I didn't die. I survived to work out another day. And nearly a year went by. If you ever had that experience where all your fears were actually physically realized when you did the thing that you were afraid to do, and you looked like an idiot up there in front of all these people that are probably judging you, You know what I mean. You know that feeling, that gut-wrenching feeling. I really didn't go back. And I had to drive 40 minutes to another class because I couldn't go to that class every week. (laughs) I had changed my whole workout routine. Nevertheless, almost a year went by and another instructor said that she had to move. She was moving to Los Angeles with her husband and she wants me to take over her class. And I said, oh no, I'm not going to teach. That's not, I, I tried, it didn't work. And she looked at me and she's like, no, you, you have what it takes. Why don't you just meet with me and we'll practice? And I said, okay, I uh, will practice. Uh, okay. But you don't be, don't be disappointed if I don't meet your <laughs> expectations. I went with her. I practiced and she gave me some tips and I practiced some more. I met with her one more time after class for, it was literally five or 10 minutes. I took her advice and I practiced some more. And then before my audition for the gym, because you have to audition and teach a class as an audition, I practiced every single day, every single day for two hours a day during lunch breaks at my job. I was selling ad space for Dog Fancy Magazine at the time. I remember this. My lunch breaks, I would sit in my car, listen to the CD, and practice the music, practice without the music, saying the cues, telling so that you know what's coming next. You have to memorize the whole routine and practice saying the cues. You have to be counting to the music. You have to know how to keep count. There's a lot of elements to it. And... No problem. I can do this. I can do this. I was still very nervous on the day of the audition. I remember going up there on stage and prior to going up there, I went to change in the the locker room and vomit in the trash can because I was so nervous. (laughs) I did. I lost my cookies. I was so nervous. I told myself, okay, that's out. Let me just drink some water. I will go go out there and I'll put on my best face and I'm going to smile and be energetic. And I keep imagining in my mind these cardio fitness classes you know, that I used to take with my mom when I was younger, you know, like the 80s style aerobics, yes. <laughs> all fancy and fun. Now I get on stage, I do my little introduction, 
the gym manager is there watching me to take notes. And she has this look on her face. And I'm like, what's the look on her face? So I start going, I'm doing the warm up. My heartbeat literally starts to slow down. Like I'm going to black out. It's just slowing down completely. And everything is going in slow motion. And I'm like, it's happening again. It's happening, but I'm not frozen this time. I'm still moving. Everything just feels in slow motion. I keep telling myself, keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. Keep going. That will pass. Only it wasn't passing. And I'm freaking out. I decide I'm going to go pretend to turn up the volume so I can turn from the audience and go, because you don't know what's going on. You know, you need to go take a breath. So you come up with these little tricks. I'll just go pretend I'm turning up the volume. They won't know that I'm about to pass out. I go over to the volume button and I notice the beats per minute on the speed of the music was turned all the way down. That's why everything was in slow motion. Not because I was in slow motion, but because the technology was in slow motion. So I cranked that thing back up, turn up the volume, and all of a sudden, my energy went up and I got hired. That's and beautiful. I over- <laughs> and I overcame that challenge. And thousands of classes teaching later, being on camera for fitness videos for the company that actually teaches the format for educational fitness videos, I overcame that fear. I still get nervous, but I have all the tools now to go out and do it. Well, what this did was it took me from being behind the scenes to being right out there in full frontal position using my voice, strengthening my voice. And I learned that, oh, I want to go and get my master's in communications and learn more about this thing that I love, the way people communicate and helping people improve their communication skills and techniques. And I went to college. I did my master's. That was all fun and dandy. And I realized I really love teaching. And now, because I overcame that fear, I overcame that fear of speaking and using my voice, I got to become a college professor. I found something that I didn't know that I would love doing. And the gift in that is when we overcome those fears and those things that are holding us back, it actually gets us so much closer to our authentic self and what we are meant and born to do. I love this story. Thank you so much for sharing it. And I think every listener and person who's watching this video can hear the beauty of your voice, the beauty of your confidence in your voice because you pause, because you emphasize, because you take care to communicate your feelings 
at each point of the story. And you're a fantastic storyteller as a result. And I'm so glad you didn't black out that second time <laughs> that, <laughs> that you were at risk of thinking you were blacking out. I also love that your success story, that story of actually doing this was not that you had calmed your fears, but that you really went through, even though you're really peak fear, that you knew you weren't a hundred percent well, but that you knew that you had to keep going. And so thank you for sharing that kind of a success story, which I think is so valuable to all of us. And I think all of us can relate that there are moments where we think every single thing about us that we're worried about is going to be exposed or that will be on the line somehow. And so I'm so grateful that you made that break and that you were able to find the work that you love. Thank you, Christine. It's, it is one of those moments. And then when you do something like that and you share it with others, you share that story and a person shares their story, then they have that permission to do the same. You can inspire them to attack the thing that they were afraid of doing. You know, I'm a communications coach And one of the things I ask people often is that's such a, when they share who they are and their story and their journey. And I ask them, I said, are you you sharing this on social media? There's so many people that would benefit from these trials and tribulations you've experienced and how you overcame them, the tools you, you used, what you learned. I mean, there's people out there that that need to hear that. Even if it's one person, you may be the person to reach that person that other people can't reach. And people say, oh no, I'm I'm too nervous. No, I don't, I don't want to know if everybody judges me. And and oh, that's not something I want to do. But it really isn't that they're afraid to go on camera. There's always the underlying fears. And the truth of the matter is. I want to pinpoint something else in that story I shared about me teaching. The first time when I just froze in front of the class, in front of the audience, it wasn't because of me. It wasn't because I wasn't capable. It wasn't because I wasn't ready. Well, maybe it was because I wasn't ready. I didn't practice. I had never practiced speaking the routine with a microphone in front of a class. I had only ever worked out on the floor looking at myself in a mirror or at the instructor. And it's two completely different views. And that really, that therein, that is the main thing of what I try to enlighten people on in my course or when I'm working with them and teaching them is that it's not about you're not ready to communicate or you're afraid to communicate on camera or even on a podcast, but it's that you haven't practiced it enough. You haven't prepared. You haven't planned. There's that famous quote that goes something like, don't let the first time you say something be the first time you say something. <laughs> I've never heard that quote and that's perfect. Thank you. It's so brilliant. <laughs> and 
I think that's true of being a newbie podcaster myself, that there's so much I've learned in just this one month that I have already made progress in my confidence and in my awareness of how the interviews are going to go just because I did the first two, despite feeling like I might black out or that I might make a really embarrassing error somehow. And there were some that were made, but I'm so grateful that I moved past the early fears and that this now has become a joy of practicing that each new person that I bring onto the show is just another being I get to practice communicating with and I get to share the time with. So it is valuable. And I think I, like you, Ellie, really endeavor to encourage people to move past that place where the fear is heavier than the possibility that the fear wins out over the chance of feeling better and feeling bigger and feeling more known because we're really missing out when we stick with the fear. So true. And I think that fear, just like you said, that fear in a sense will keep us where we are, which may also be fine. There's plenty of people that are fine with where they are, but the truth of the matter is how do you know unless you go? How do you know unless you try? And if you try and it doesn't work out, try again. This is what relationships are. I've been learning so much about relationships. As you know, we've had COVID and you hear all these stories about how this, the tension in the relationships and how it sways one way and sways another. And one of the things that I think is so important is just that when you're trying to communicate and share information, if it doesn't work the first time, you try it again in a different way, in a different tone, at a different time of the day, in a different setting. There's always something that you can discover that will make it work between the two. And I think this is the same thing with anything we want to do with overcoming our fears. If it doesn't work the first time, you try a different way. You try again, you tweak it, but you don't know until you try the first time. Absolutely. I am thinking that as a communication coach, you're seeing so many different types of fears and insecurities, much like the ones you were describing as a newbie fitness instructor. And I'm wondering if this COVID period has kind of deepened your practice because people are stressed, people are having to communicate online in very meaningful ways and professionally, and they're possibly afraid of messing up because they have to communicate in this format that is relatively unfamiliar to them and somewhat artificial. So could you talk to us about how you coach people along when the conditions are not ideal? What's so interesting here is that I feel that virtual platforms have been around for some time now, but many companies that haven't, they haven't utilized them because change is difficult and can be financially costly. And there's all kinds of reasons that companies are not doing it. And, and really, truly, truly at the end of the day, there is nothing more powerful than 
physical human connection. But in a world where we may not be safe or a company is growing and somebody might need to move and you want to keep that wonderful employee, whether you are an entrepreneur or not, learning some of those elements of virtual communication will benefit you in more ways than one. It can help you become that confident communicator. There are people that have been using virtual communication for a long time. Let's say, for example, you're in a meeting with people. You always pinpoint, you can always pinpoint that person that is strong and confident, comes prepared with a plan, and they know exactly what points they're going to talk on. They're clear and they're concise and they're done. Everybody knows what action steps they need to take after, after the meeting is over. Then you have those employees that are used to kind of just sitting there. They want to move up in their company, but they don't know how to speak and voice their opinions and ideas. So this is not just for entrepreneurs. This is also for people who are working within organizations or even working for a small entrepreneurial group. The best way to get comfortable is to speak more. And be mindful of how you speak. And I have had many people reach out to me about what are some best ways to do this. And can you watch this video? Because I feel like I'm not getting the response from people on Zoom that I want. And and obviously I teach college classes and there's a virtual communication situation happening. And I do see many students And they're not just students, young students. We're talking about adult students that work for corporations. They don't know the basic how-to for even where that camera lens should be. So you're right. I am getting a lot of this. Did you know, for example, one tiny little thing with a camera lens is that how we're looking here right now, this is good. If you see how my screen is, for those of you that are listening to the podcast, we're, we are also using a new video option. And I'm sitting here in the center of my screen. I have about a quarter of open space over my head and some open space by my side. So you can see my sort of the upper part of my torso up and my body language with my hands. This is the ideal position for your speaking, meeting, presentation videos. It's ideal. May not be okay all the time, but it is ideal. And ideally, the most important thing is that you want to be looking into not the the people in the gallery or not all of the people in your meeting. You want to be looking at, and I'm going to point at the lens of whatever is focusing on you. So if you're using a laptop, you're looking into the camera lens on your laptop. If you're using a detached type of camera lens, which is a great investment, I'm working on that myself, then you'll look into wherever that view is pointing at you. And what this does is it duplicates you making eye contact with the people who are watching you. And that's very powerful because have have you ever, Christine, had a conversation with someone who is not looking at you? I think oftentimes on Zoom, yes. (laughs) They're looking 
off to the side, down here, or up this way. The one you see the most common is up the nose angle. That's <laughs> the worst angle. You It makes you look older, which I definitely don't want to look older. It also forces you sometimes, if that lens is down there, if you're looking down when you're speaking, you will start, If you, I don't know if you can hear this, but my throat is starting to strain. You'll actually cut off the vocals and it, you'll have to force your vocals to speak. And powerful speakers don't need to force their vocals to speak because they're nice and neutral sitting right here. If you're looking up and talking, which I also see sometimes, if you're looking up to a lens and talking, the view is okay. But the problem is, again, you're now tightening the vocal cord and it gets much higher and you have to work really hard. You're actually straining your vocals. So especially for women, we have a smaller throat muscle here than men. So we have to be even more conscious of speaking not just in a neutral zone. We want to have that powerful voice. And to do that, we have to be positioned correctly. Yes. So thank you for that. I think that is important. And just so that we're feeling confidently when we're speaking, are there other tips that you share for improving the power of our voice. And so there are many confident communicators who I think you could help bring to another level. What are the tips that you share with those people? Sure. If you are already a confident communicator, the biggest tip, I'm going to share the tips with you, but this is the biggest tip I can share. And this is something I do for myself all the time. I don't like doing it is record and rewatch and listen. Take notes. Watch your body language. Listen to your words. Listen to your tone. Listen to your volume. Listen to filler words you may be overusing. It's okay to have some. I, I, I want to dispel this getting rid of all your filler words. It's okay to have some, but it's those repetitive filler words we lean on. And then there's the non-filler overused words, like so. My favorite, and, and, and so. Those are, cool. Oh, they're my nemesis. But I watch my videos back to catch myself doing it. So I become more aware. I put a sticky note up on my laptop with the word, and a circle and a line through it. So I will know to avoid these words. It's that reminder. You have to put a line through it. Otherwise you're going to end up saying it because that's how the brain works. But it's so powerful. You don't know what you're doing if you don't know what you're doing unless you either hire me or some other expert to tell you or two, you evaluate yourself. And in doing that, now you have the power to implement some of the techniques that I will share with you in just a moment. But I think Christine has a question for me. I think I have two observations, <sighs> at least one. One is that you've just given me already a masterclass in speaking because I think the pauses that you comfortably make and comfortably allow us to 
follow along with really for me is a sign of your confidence and the fact that you know what you're doing because you can slow the pace down. I am someone who can occasionally run off at the mouth with nervousness. And I think I've had to learn it's really okay to slow myself down and that people actually do have the time to listen. I think that's a belief that I have that if I take too much time, it's going to be really irritating for everyone. But actually, if I take the time and really sink into what I'm trying to communicate, everybody does have the time to listen, that it is okay for me to feel confidently about that. Then I think I've already forgotten what the second thing is, but I think that's okay. I think you're also teaching us that we can teach ourselves by observing what happens, that sometimes our mind is going to go blank. Sometimes we won't be able to finish a sentence, but that it's continuing to go forward, continuing to believe in what you have to say, continuing to believe that you're safe that these are all also many pieces of being more confident in your communication. And of course, now I've remembered what I wanted to say, that coaching can be invaluable because sometimes you just can't, even if you're watching a video back of yourself, you might not be able to understand why this phenomenon is happening. Why do I say, you know, all the time, why do I stop? Why do I drop off at the end of a sentence? Any of these things a coach can help you with. So I want to encourage our listeners to, if they feel like there's something that is getting stuck when they're communicating, or if people aren't listening to them or aren't getting their message to go seek out someone like Ellie or another communication coach. Thank you, Christine. And I love that you actually brought that up. The filler word situation oftentimes happens because it's not something we've prepared or planned ahead of time. There's a couple of reasons. There's that one. And then the second part to that is that I love that you shared. This also hits on what you shared first about the slowing down and pausing. The second part to that is that helps to reduce the filler words is that slowing down and pausing. It's what I call creating space. Everybody, unless you're a maximalist, then maybe you don't like space. You like the clutter and you like everything and and bunched in. But if you're a fan, I'm a fan of white space. I enjoy white space. It helps me feel calm. It helps me feel at ease. And therefore that leaks into the speaking element that when I know that I'm sharing information that's valuable or something that's in my heart, that I feel that I want that to be calm and comfortable and easily absorbable. And all you're doing when you pause and slow down and take out those filler words is you're creating this beautiful white space for what you're sharing. And that's powerful. And one of the things we do as confident communicators, leaders speak like this as well. Anytime you watch Steve Jobs present, if you go back and watch old videos, presidents, I mean, good presidents, <laughs> like presidents that are known for their speaking. We have plenty of presidents throughout history that were not known for their waxing poetic speeches, but they have cadence 
They have slow moments, fast moments. They have tonality, high tones, deeper, lower tones. They vary it up. And these are things that help to kind of keep somebody along. Imagine if you listen to music. When a person speaks, it's like a song. It's like music. If you're listening to music, you're not going to listen to a song that is just one beat, one tone all the way through and no melody or highs and lows. And we all like that moment in the song where it slows down and then speeds up. And it's, it, our voice is making a song when we're speaking or singing our emotions, just not with drums and a guitar behind us. Yes. And I guess the confidence level is part of that process where we can have our voice be melodious and we can have the variability and we can pause because again, we're not starting with the fear. We're not thinking, oh, I'm going to mess up. Oh, this is going to be a catastrophe. Oh, I might black out if I step on that stage. So true. (laughs) And the more you do it, what happens? The first podcast interview you did, Christine, how did you feel? I felt a mix of things because it was actually with Tracy Goodwin, my voice coach. (gasps) So I felt a mix of self-consciousness, a mix of what am I doing here? How did I get here? And also, partly, I was feeling 100% confident in Tracy. I knew that my guest was fully in control of what she had to say, what she had to share, and her own voice. So in some ways, that was a happy accident that she ended up being my first interview guest because I could focus in on myself and take care of myself vocally as she had just taught me to. So it was a good experiment. And I think every first podcast interview has got to be a mix of fear and confidence. But may everyone who's listening, if you're starting into something that is going to be a little bit scary, may you continue. May you not give up on yourself and may you do it even though you're afraid. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, 100%. And now you're probably 100% confident in yourself. Yes? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) She says sarcastically. Christine, you're you're pulling up the the platform. You're like, I got this. I got my mic. I got my (laughs) setup. I'm good to go. And the other side to when we use filler words, again, overuse of filler words. I really want to emphasize that. An overuse of filler words. We don't sound confident. It doesn't sound like we know what we're talking about. I've known the smartest of people. I've seen best actor, best actor go up and select and take their award and give their speech. And every other word is a filler word. You see the difference. They won best actor, not because they're good speakers on the fly. This person obviously didn't have a speech prepared. You could always tell when a person has a speech prepared or is an excellent speaker and has information to pull from or had an idea of points they were going to hit. And this is why I like watching award shows, everyone, is because I want to see what the actors and actresses will say when they get up there. I actually study their communication to see 
if they have those skills. And you can see that this is the reason they're good actors is because they prepare and plan and practice so much to deliver on that character and that role and that script. But they're not doing that at an award ceremony. And you can tell they're just like us. We are just like (laughs) everyone. We need to plan and practice and keep doing the thing where we're a little rough around the edges and we'll get there and create these new habits. We were talking about sugar earlier before we started. We're having a little conversation. And now I have this habit (laughs) of at night, I like to have gummy bears and tea. It's just a weird, random, quirky habit. And I'm good with the gummy bears. I, I count them out and I put them in like a cup so I don't eat the whole bag in one sitting. But it's kind of a habit. And when I don't have it, I feel kind of sad, but I don't die. And the thing is with the filler words, it's a little bit of that not creating the habit of being comfortable with creating the white space and pausing and slowing down. Nobody expects you to speak a million miles a minute. If I never pause, how is Christine going to pop in and ask me questions? How is anybody going to pop in and share with you something that resonated with them and what you said? It's good to pause. You want feedback from other people. You just have to remind yourself that that's okay and get into the practice of that. That's really so simple, all it is. And then the body language aspect of it, which is really powerful. And the way we speak, when we speak with depth and power, when we speak from our lower diaphragm, I talked about tone and speaking in a deeper and higher levels. Breathing is very important. That lower diaphragm, it's not here. It's not the rib cage where people think if they take a deep breath, (gasps) fill up your lungs. No, you want to breathe all the way down into your belly. I want to put, if you put your hand on your belly right now and you talk or you say something or hum with your hand on your belly, you'll feel and actually push on your belly. You will feel more power naturally coming out through your vocals and your voice. I just felt it on myself right now. (laughs) And these are all things you can train yourself to do. And next time you're on that virtual call, you will come across when you want to share something, an idea, a concept, something with your audience or something with, if you work for a company with your team, you do that and people will start to notice you and consider you to move up in their company. Or maybe we should put so-and-so on this project, or maybe so-and-so should lead this project. They're starting to sound more like a leader. These are all the reasons we want to be confident, not just as entrepreneurs, but just moving through our lives. You know, the body language, even if you, you stand here standing, if you're, you're sort of not confident, you want to make sure that you're not hunching forward, rolling the shoulders forward. That not only constricts your breath and your breathing and unfortunately affects your vocals. If you're sitting on your sit bones, on your sit bones, nice and tall in a good chair and you're grounded You have to be grounded when you talk. You don't want to have your legs up or feet up. That, again, will cut off the lower abdomen when the air comes in. You want the feet decent level grounded on the floor so that power can come up through the body, which, again, not only does it affect the sound of confidence in your voice, 
when you have positive body language, that triggers something in the brain. That brain's telling itself, oh, oh, we're confident today. Yeah, we're confident. You know how when you you walk when you're you're feeling pride and proud about something? You can trick your brain into feeling that way and that confidence will come out and you'll start to believe it and develop that new habit. And these new habits are beautiful. So thank you so much for bringing your confidence and your awareness and your love to me, my show, and our listeners today. And I think, dear listener, that you can see quite clearly how much there is to learn in terms of how we can improve as confident communicators. So Ellie, please let us know how we can stay in touch with you, how we can learn from you even more. Well, the easiest way to stay in touch with me is I'm always on Instagram. So if you go to at Ellie Parvin on Instagram, I'm there. My website is ellieparvin.com and I'm Ellie Parvin on Facebook. I am Ellie Parvin everywhere. (laughs) You can find me there. But to start with Instagram, if you really want to follow me there, it's a great place. I'm there daily sharing communication tips some personal background stuff, personal life stuff. And it's just a great way to connect with me and ask me questions that you might have. And please don't forget, don't forget that your message is anchored by your voice. And I encourage you to practice using it. Absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement with Ellie and I can't wait for our listeners to experiment more and to try more things and to get more confident. So thank you again for showing up today in such a beautiful and meaningful way. Thank you so much, Ellie. Thank you, Christine. It was an honor. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Make Time for Success podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard, you can subscribe to make sure you get notified of upcoming episodes. You can also visit our website, maketimeforsuccesspodcast.com for past episodes, show notes, and all the resources we mentioned on the show. Feel free to connect with me over on Instagram too. You can find me there under the name Procrastination Coach. Send me a DM and let me know what your thoughts are about the episodes you've been listening to. And let me know any topics that you might like me to talk about on the show. I'd love to hear all about how you're making time for success. Talk to you soon.